Yes, my name is Van. Thank you for the introduction. The, uh, it was very brief, but accurate. I'm going to elaborate a little bit. Um, I live up the road three minutes up the road. Enough about me. So we're going to uh, move on. Uh, the message this morning is called shrinking, and I don't know if I if I have a a slide somewhere that you guys can see or not. But anyway, can you? There it is. I'm just going to look behind me once. Okay, I, I believe it. Okay, so um, the message is called Shrinking. It's from John chapter 3. You can go there if you want to. And uh, we'll, have, we'll help you on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. Um, but let me just uh, open in prayer. Lord, I thank you uh, just for the chance to be here this morning. It's a great, warm place to be, and I'm, I'm thankful for the, uh, the fellowship that's here and uh, just to be a part of what you're doing in this place on this day, Lord. I want to ask that you would help us as we read the Word of God this morning, that you'd help us to read it with the same spirit that wrote it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, John chapter 3 22, and we'll start with an idea I call the temptation to be small. It says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anan near Selim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison uh, because there was, there's not a, a river in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John uh, and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. So, verses 25 and 26, they, they introduce a kind of a weird, um, interesting description of people. Two seemingly unconnected uh, stories are tied together as an introduction for these people. First, there's this controversy over ceremonial washing, which seems to have been started by John's follower. And so, you know, the first readers of this uh, are looking at it and they're and listening to this and they're they're thinking that you know Jesus he broke through all that controversy and and cleared that all up so this this story is is so totally the 30s and uh, second we have them coming over to discuss the fact that the people are changing ranks it seems that they're going from um, over from John's tribe over to Jesus's and. Uh, there's just more people going, to, or maybe there's just more people going over to him uh, than there is to John. Now they exaggerate, and they say, you know, everyone, everyone is going to him. So the only connection that I can see between these these two stories, the one that's sort of related to uh, ceremonial washing, and the the one that's about the crowds going from one group to the other, is that they seem to be focusing on on the microscopic. The, uh, I mean, we don't really deal with the whole idea of, 
of uh, ceremonial hand washing these days. I mean, unless, unless you count hand sanitizing. But we, we still all have this temptation, I think, to become small. What I mean is it says right here in verse 23 that the people were, they were coming to John, okay? So not everyone was going to Jesus. They weren't taking off. But these, these people were being small. And by small, I mean petty. They're, they're all, all of us will at some time be tempted to, to focus on sort of the insignificant or the unimportant realities just because they're about us. We may be tempted, uh, you and I, to be jealous of someone else because God has gifted them in some way or uh, that, that we wish we were gifted. Perhaps they have more talent than us or maybe they have more money than us or more energy or more friends than we have. In, in some way, God has blessed them more than he has us. In some way. It just happens to be the way that we're fixated on. So, but this, if you think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to be uh, upset about where, I mean, if our heart is in the right place, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to be upset about what God is doing somewhere. Even if, uh, you know, just because he's doing it for someone else or to someone else. So likely, if we're being small, what's happened to us is we, we've kind of taken God out of the picture and have just focused on our own lack of something, right? Well, you're, now you don't have followers. They're going, they're going that way. And I think it's a distraction. And it's interesting because I, I honestly think, I mean, let's face it. John was the golden boy, okay? He was, uh, he was the biggest thing going since Malachi at this time. And uh, he's the temptation, I think, the temptation for, for him to get concerned about the fact that people are going in droves to, to somebody else. I mean, that could be a real temptation. After all, let's remind ourselves what it is that John was called. I mean, you've likely heard of him, right? We, we know him as John the Baptist. That's right. And uh, so, let me just see here. I'll just read the Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I mean, if there's anybody who could have maybe had his identity a little bit tied up in whether or not people were coming to him to be baptized, it, I think it could be this guy. I mean, he literally was called John the Baptizer, right? Let me just personalize this for a second. In many ways, my, my life used to be about, uh, my, or my identity could have been tied up in the fact that I was supposed to be a pastor, and that was sort of my calling. So I saw myself as a pastor. And then, when I wasn't a pastor anymore, I realized, well, maybe, maybe I should be thinking about my gifts. You know, my gifts can be used in other ways than just being a pastor. So, you know, where was I ministering? What was I doing? Was I teaching or training or leading? And so um, I was a teacher or I was someone who exhorted, right? But again, that actually ended. And so then, who am I? Really, I'm just some guy who lives down the road, right? That's who I am. And I'll get back to that in a bit. But before we move on, let's, let's think about ourselves in this context, okay? The idea of being small or being petty. Because 
It seems to me that if this is happening in our lives right now, it's an obvious ploy to distract us from healthier priorities. So if you're not tracking with me yet, just let me ask you a question. Think about it. What area of life are you or are we tempted to be jealous of when someone else is getting the attention? When someone else is getting the accolades or, or shall I say it, getting the glory? What area of life are you tempted in to be small uh, about when someone else has, has maybe been given more than you, given more than us? Has it, has it come to you yet? Has it occurred to you? It, if someone came to you and they said, hey, did you notice that so-and-so got something this week? What something would get you right here with petty envy or jealousy? Uh, simply put, what do you think you should have more of? Or maybe even, what are you afraid of losing? I'll move to the the next idea here, which I think is really helpful and profound perspective. See, these people that came to John and they were believing that this was going to this was going to kind of upset him. Hey, everybody is going to that guy. I mean, you, you testified about him, and now everybody's going to him. So to this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. I, I just think that that is an incredibly, unbelievably clear perspective to have in life. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. He said, you yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent of, ahead of him. And the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and he listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it's now complete. I mean, he is basically saying, it is for me like my, I'm looking at my best friend and he is finally marrying his love and I am so excited for him. That is what's happening in my heart right now. I'm not getting all bent out of shape about this. And when I first heard this verse in a sermon, uh, this next verse that uh, I'm going to read here, I said, God, this needs to be This needs to be my life verse. He must become greater. This is what John says. I must become less. You notice that this is not only, it's not only good, it's necessary. He must become greater. I must become less. Incidentally, a part of this process is going to happen to us no matter what. And it's much more pleasant when it happens by choice or rather when we accept the reality. Are you shrinking? You know what, I don't even need to ask you the question. I know that you are, whether you know it or not. I want to speak to the older people in here for a minute. And by older, I mean, if you're older than 53, you're old. <laughs> 53 is just a, it's just a random number that I came up with in July. So, you and I, we're all eventually going to become known for less. We're going to become known less. 
I sent a package uh, to the college that I used to work at uh, recently, and, uh, and because they wouldn't send it to a P.O. box, so I had to give them an address. And then, and then, so I didn't hear about it for a while, so I called, and I was talking to my wife about it, who works at the college, and she said, well, you know, so many people at the college don't really know who you are. And I was like, okay, that, can't, that comes as a bit, a bit of a blow to me. Uh, it's like, Van who? Uh, you know what, we're all eventually going to be able to do less, and we're all going to be surpassed by someone else's accomplishments. We're all going to be surpassed by someone else's abilities. I'll talk just personally from my, for, from my own experience for a minute. I've, I've been given insight over uh, the last 20 years, due to some health stuff, into the realm of relinquishing control and giving things up. I had to make a decision for about 15 of those 20 years, at least every year, uh, to give up doing something that I liked so, uh, or something that I loved. Uh, like teaching and preaching, I used to do this uh, like three times a week. And, um, but, you know, this is going to happen to all of us, you know, 55 plus, and for many people way beyond that. But here's a hint for you as you approach this and as you start to lose the ability to do different things. The process is way better when you accept your limitations. Let me, let me say it this way. A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. John the Baptist shows us here that we can shift our focus and we can be honorable. I mean, the question, who are the crowds for, the Messiah or for me, right? The best man is no best man who's coveting his best friend's bride. He's hers and she is his. This, it's interesting, the wedding ceremony that he's talking about was quite an elaborate thing back then. I mean, it included this big party that started at the father's place. And then there's this kind of entourage this, uh, that goes and moves this procession that takes the bride and her friends over to the bridegroom's house, where the party goes on for at least seven days. Now, eventually, in this celebration, the groom will finally come and directly communicate to the bride for the first time in the whole ceremony that's been going on. Remember, the friend who attends the groom waits and he listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the groom's voice. John says, that same joy is mine when it comes to Jesus becoming the focus of all this local attention and gaining followers. He's, he's delighted. Jesus must become greater and John must become less. Now, part of this process is about our view of our own significance in the narrative that's about us. So a difficult step for some people is to imagine that there's some more important player in their story than them. I mean, who's a more important character in my story than me, right? But it's not just an absence of imagination that can limit us. It's often just plain self-centeredness. And uh, our priorities set solely on this world and its people. I gave many years of my life to a church, about a decade, but my priority shouldn't be on, oh, God, why, why wasn't I able to stay and do more? And I gave uh, 
little over a decade of my life to a school. And again, the focus should not be on, God, why wasn't I able to stay and do more? My focus should be on, God, continue to do your will there. And I will receive joy from it. At some point, listen to this. At some point, you will not be able to carry on with something that you hope to. What's critical is that we get the most significant aspect of the phrase, he must become greater, I must become less, is Jesus must become greater. You see, the emphasis has to actually not be on the shrinking, right? It has to be on the growing. The critical lesson for all of us uh, is that the emphasis is on Jesus' greatness. Now, I said a part of this process is going to happen no matter what. Ready or not, someone else has excelled and uh, you've been left behind. But this part, this part of the process has to be a choice. Okay? So life needs to always become more about Christ and less about us. It will not happen by accident. When our heart is not in the right place, or when our heart is in the right place, this is our path to receiving joy. And this is the process for completing joy. So, we'll move on to the next part of the passage here. And I'm sorry to mess with all the metaphors, but Jesus doesn't actually become greater. Okay? He doesn't need to become more popular, more known. He doesn't need to gain more followers to be greater. It's only because he's already so great that he deserves more popularity, more followers. He deserves to be known about and to be known by everyone. No exaggeration there. Verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. This is John the Baptist saying this. That is, is greater. And the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. That is, is lesser. The one who comes from heaven is above all, right? Is greater. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. And in fact, in this passage here in John 3, we've just heard not many verses earlier what Jesus' testimony was, in a, basically in a nutshell, in John 3.16. Right? Whoever has accepted that has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. And listen, I want to just say that we're all going to need a reminder about this at some point. John the Baptist himself needed a reminder. Okay, bring some water here. Remember in the passage, it alluded to the fact that John the Baptist was going to go to prison later on. Okay, so while he's in prison, he actually sends word to Jesus to say, are, um, are you really the one we're supposed to be waiting for? 
<clears throat> I'm just, I just, you know, I just want to know for sure. A lot of people had a, a lot of expectations of what the Messiah was going to be, and Jesus turned out to be that Messiah. Um, but as it turned out, he didn't, <clears throat> he didn't sort of bring about deliverance from all the bad political situations that are going on in the world. And, uh, and I think it's really important that, I think we would be wise to remember that in, in coming elections, that uh, Jesus doesn't, uh, that's actually not his focus. Um, Rome occupied Israel, you know, with a fairly heavy hand, and there were corrupt and ungodly Jewish officials that colluded with them, and uh, that never changed because Jesus walked on the earth. But I can't blame John. Uh, I mean, he saw one of the main characters of his story about to be removed from the story, right? He was about to be decapitated. So Jesus sent back word, and I'll just, I'll read the, so this is, this is a little bit later on in John's story. So I'll read this, Matthew 11, 2 to 10. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you, one, are you the one who's to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus points to one of the main expectations that the Jews had for the time of Messiah, which was that many people were going to get healed. And so looking at it that way, Jesus was knocking it out of the park, really. And uh, Jesus essentially says, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble over the fact that I'm not every expectation that you have set out for me. And that, I think, is important for us to remember as well. And then still, in, we're a little further ahead in this story. Uh, after John's disciples leave, Jesus begins to talk to the crowd about John. So uh, we get kind of Jesus' testimony about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? So, I mean, did you guys, were you heading out to check out the grass? Is that why you guys went out to the desert? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? And so this is, Jesus is, it's, Maybe a little bit of a hit on John and his uh, wardrobe, was, which was basically camel hair. And I was going to wear camel hair this morning, but my wife said that I probably should not do that. But it's, you know, those, what, were you expecting to see people in really fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes, they're in king's palaces. So, so what did you go out to see? A prophet, right? This is Jesus talking. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it's written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So this messenger, John the Baptist, is uh, Jesus himself says, is the one who's to prepare the way for the Lord, the way for him. Okay, it's a quote from Malachi, and it says where, where God, the Lord of heaven, is a messenger, or is having a messenger prepare his way. So John, he had it right. Uh, Jesus is the Lord of heaven. Jesus is the one who deserves all the followers. Jesus is the one who deserves the glory. All of it belongs to Jesus, the Lord of heaven. So here's how it worked. Jesus had his way prepared for him, and John disappeared from view. 
There's a reason Jesus was originally the priority to John the Baptist, because John was right. If you don't accept or believe in the Son, namely Jesus, then whatever happens to you after you die physically here on earth, it's not going to be called eternal life. I just want to bring your attention to that, because that's the testimony we're talking about. You will not see eternal life because God's wrath remains on you. And that's the bad news that we all need to come to grips with, right? John 3, again, says at the end, John's, John the Baptist says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. I came from a family that never really talked about Jesus ever. And I began to find, as early as six years of age in my life, things that I know now are wrong and truly destructive. Things I believe led to various addictions in my life. By the time I was in fifth and sixth grade, I was pursuing those things uh, actively. By the time I was in grade 10, uh, I was consumed with self. I was seeking to get whatever I could for me. It didn't seem to matter who my lifestyle was hurting. I was... uh, trying to binge and get drunk as often as possible. And then when I was drunk, I tried to do as much else as I could get away with. Uh, I was dead in my sins. You know, being raised in the church, which I wasn't, I think there's one negative. For a lot of people, they're, when they're raised in the church, they don't realize how evil they are. Because they've been protected from a lot of things that would, they would normally do if they were left to their own devices. But for me, God revealed to me in, on November 15th, 1985, and I gave my life over to Christ. I became a follower of Jesus. This is truly the gospel that the cross of Christ was for taking God's wrath away from me. And when you and I believe into the Son, we move into Christ. And the wrath of God is not going to spill onto Christ again. And so never again will the wrath of God spill on anyone who's in Christ. So wildly at that moment, I became a child of God. So that's who I am. Yeah, gifts are important. Calling is important. They're irrevocable, really. But most importantly, when you get God's spirit, you get the spirit of adoption. You become a child of God. And, and that's, that's who I am. That's the introduction. In truth, the less van the world sees, the better. And the more Jesus, all the better. For many years, I got to do some really exciting things. And, oh, how did that picture get in there? Um, <clears throat> I had the opportunity to disciple this kid. Anybody know who that is? <laughs> Does he still make that face? Anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, I got him. Okay, so um, I'm going to just really recap over the things that we talked about here. In case you were asleep. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I, did, I've, I have had the opportunity to do some really... Wonderful things. Um, But let me recap. Um, 
And then I'll, after that, I'll tell you something that God is still letting me do. <laughs> okay? Um, but first of all, confess to God. Is there something that you're being small about? Is there a jealousy in your life right now, an envy today that's going on? You know, what, what God has done for someone else that you, you can't really rejoice in it for some reason, maybe because you wish he would do it for you? Can I just tell you that that is a distraction, a very specific distraction in your life from what God wants to do. And if you can confess that to God, uh, you can be free of that. The second thing I'll just recap here again is to embrace this truth. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You know, some people just sort of feel like, you know, I'm just not content. I'm not a content person. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm never content. I, uh, if that's you if, you, if you have trouble finding contentment, it's not just who you are. It it's really is something that needs to change. You need to embrace the truth that a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. And that will change. That will change your life. Or you can, we can remember that we talked about right-sizing your life right now. In this moment. Check the trajectory of your life right now. Is it, is it be about your life becoming more about Christ and less about you? Or is it the other way around? Look, I recognize we all deviate. We all will start to focus on ourselves. and we. But I just want to encourage you today, if the words from John the Baptist might be able to um, help you to seize this moment and to choose, choose right now and say, you know what, he must become greater. I must become less. Another passage, I think, or another translation the way I first heard it, I think, was he must increase, I must decrease. And then finally, the idea of choosing life. Some of us, you know, we think, you know, I don't know, can you really know if you have eternal life? Well, Jesus' testimony, John 3.16, anybody know that? Can you say it out loud? I, I just want to make sure. All right, even up in the cheap seats, they know. This is great. <laughs> so uh, that was Jesus' testimony. John the Baptist says in uh, John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son is eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Again, it's the same testimony. John, the guy who wrote this book that we're reading from, he says the reason he wrote this book is that people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, they would have life in his name. And later, the same John, he says it this way, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Yes, you can know. Now, you may be thinking, well, what if I, what if I want to live forever, but I don't want anything to do with God? I know that's not going to work. Uh, what, if, what if I just want to accept God, but I don't want to accept Jesus? 
No, no, that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. So basically, it's pretty clear here. There's only one way to accept the Lord Jesus and what he's done is the way to have that life. You know, I'd love it if my words were used in some way at all to encourage you this morning, maybe to highlight a petty distraction that help you get on track, maybe to encourage you to right-size your life, to say, this has got to be, it's got to be more about Jesus. What am I focusing on right now? And this is, this is all of us, right? It would be my honor and privilege if my words were used in some way by God to direct you to actually believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus, for the first time. That would be amazing. Now, I'm going to talk to you about something, one thing <laughs> I'm still doing, uh, apart from napping. I do, um, I do work with a thing called Karn. And uh, so I want to thank you for having me this morning. And Janelle Conway is here with me this morning. And we've decided that we would use this as an opportunity to connect with anyone that might be interested in, in, um, in Knee Heal Addiction Recovery Network and uh, finding out about that. See, we're on a mission to see every church in this county doing something about addiction. Just figuring out what it is that your church can do uh, maybe it's encouraging people in your church to do something, or maybe it's doing a program in your church, or whatever it is, every church in this county doing something about addiction because Christ has a lot to offer in this area. Another thing you can do if you're interested in addiction and recovery is to, is to come and learn more about trauma and how it relates to addiction. So uh, basically the last day of September, there's sort of a, free event somewhere that you can go to, but it's, the main thing is on the first day of October is there's a free event uh, presented by Karn and it's hosted by Prairie College. And basically it is uh, an opportunity for people to learn, um, yeah, just to, to, to learn about what is behind addiction a lot of times. And so that's kind of all of that. And uh, let me see if I can, there you go. So I, again, I want to thank you for having me here this morning and just uh, pray that you would be blessed by something that was said this morning. And now, Lane's coming up.